Ever man of color. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. Yes. What an so y'all, honor. y'all, y'all only have white people on this. <laughs> no, we don't have ever any men on. Oh, we're the first. Yeah, you're the first, I'm the first dude. Yeah. yeah. Yo, token man. I'm, I'm token honored. man. I'm honored. I'm honored. <laughs> Would you introduce yourself, yeah. token man? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, as the token male, I'm, I'm, I'm blessed to be here in the presence of these gorgeous ladies. My name is Jay Cho. I am the co-host of 6.99 per pound podcast, which also gets recorded quite frequently at Canal Street Radio. All part of the fam. Yeah, all part of the umbrella of Listening Party Presents. Um, I'm glad to be here. Yeah. yeah, happy to have you. Yeah, yeah, and this is Jojo. I'm also a co-host of 699 Per Pound Podcast. Um, I'm really, really excited because we love doing these collaborations. And we've been, you know, following and creeping on girls we know for a while. <laughs> this collaboration like has been going versa. for a while. All these conversations. So I'm so happy we made it happen. But just a little bit about our podcast, 699 Per Pound. Um, it's an homage to New York City deli culture. If you notice, a lot of the delis and bodegas in New York City are run by by Koreans these days. You kind of want to play along with that. And, you know, we interview people from all different cultures, serve up hot takes from all different backgrounds, all in the lens of, you know, our experience. So um, I think when we heard about girls, we know it really kind of aligned with ours, but you guys are more focused on like empowering POC women, mm-hmm. AKA token man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, great. But Today yeah. we empower you. Exactly. Thank you. Empower Thank you. I'm, you. I'm, I'm honored. Yeah. So I'm just so excited. And every conversation has just been like, so fun and I learned so much from you guys so thank you for having us on for sure we're so happy to have you just just so I mean I I know Jojo mentioned bodegas you know but like you know, Hafu Delis more specifically is like, uh, you know, like if you go to Midtown, you mm-hmm. see like those buffet mm-hmm. yeah. uh, deli stores, deli spots where they have like pizza. That's kind of more of an homage because I want to make sure that the Yemenese brothers and the Dominicans oh, that run yes. the bodegas, like yeah. they understand that, yo, we're not, you know, I have no on affiliation with yeah. y'all. I, I, shop, I shop with y'all, but you know, like I, you know, I know, I know that territory, that's your domain. You right. know what I'm saying? I'm talking like the Hafu Delis yeah. more specifically. Yeah. And JP, yeah. fun fact, actually, used to work in a deli. Yeah, I used to work at a Hafu deli so, as a cashier wow. and a pizza nice. maker. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Man of many talents. My dad's restaurant. Oh, oh. Wow. Pizzas. Say oh, word, hey. say word. Yeah, like I'll be, I'll be doing the little flips. Oh, God. Know, <laughs> yeah, but, uh, would still be on the ceiling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, no, that's that's pretty much why uh, we named ourselves uh, 699 per pound because, mm-hmm. um, you know, a lot of those like high food delis has like a wide variety of options. Yeah, mm-hmm. like chow mein next to lasagna next to exactly. yeah. food. Yeah. It's like all so yeah. eclectic and that's yeah. New York City. So. Yeah, so right. we just, that's why we wanted to like, okay, highlight different individuals and professions uh, not bound by one particular topic. Totally. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I know it's for today's conversation. We really just kind of wanted to talk on more. It's going to be more obviously, like, you know, more personal. Totally. Um, with a little bit of facts <laughs> or research. I will bit. say that we did. <laughs> um, just kind of talking about the issues between, like, the Asian and the black and brown community. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess I kind of wanted to, yeah. like, start off and, like, where do you guys think the problem starts? Or, like, what, like, what is the issue, in your opinion? I mean, 
to be honest, like I honestly don't know the origin of how some of these businesses started mm -hmm. um, in mostly black and Latino communities, but I'll talk about like what I do know, right? right. So I'm, a, um, I'm involved with a sneaker store, right? So we have a couple locations in Brooklyn, uh, no, two locations more specifically, and one location in Flushing, Queens, which we opened two years ago, right? So um, that store, I mean, the first original store has been in uh, Crown Heights on Utica Avenue since the late 80s. Uh, before it was a sneak, before it turned into a sneaker store, uh, it was it was like a, a prep school, like shoe store owned by like a Jewish man, and then the Korean family bought it and then turned into a sneaker store, and then with the advent of like sportswear and just like sneakers becoming part of everyday life, because we got to remember, like only up until like even when I was like in. Um, you know, middle school, like, cause I went to a small private school. They were like, yo, no sneakers. Like, yeah. mm -hmm. you know, that was a real thing. Only, only until like Reese, it, it, this whole, you know, sneakers, something that you could wear to work. That shit just happened relatively recently. You know right. what I'm saying? So, um, and then with that, um, that business, you know, obviously went through the times and now it turned and evolved into a boutique. Um, but I think a lot of these businesses, especially in black and brown communities, when the, the, the fact that they're owned and operated by a lot of Asians, Asian Americans specifically, I think it because these immigrants, they didn't really have much options. You know what I'm saying? Like they didn't come to this country with like a doctor's degree. They didn't speak the language. Mm -hmm. um, it usually happens with like a family member, like, hey, you want to come and work at my restaurant mm -hmm, or right. you want to come and work in my grocery store or right. something like something like physical labor driven jobs, mm -hmm. service, you know oriented. I mean? service oriented jobs. That's why, like, you see a, a, the stereotype of Asian-Americans working in laundromats or um, uh, dry cleaners. Is Restaurants because, and stuff. And yeah, because there's a type of like physical labor oriented jobs that probably like other Americans didn't want to do right. you know what I'm saying and like these were the type of jobs that they have and you know when they saved up a little money they're like okay cool like I want to own my own business right but they're not gonna they're not gonna be able to afford a business in the middle of Fifth Avenue right you know what I mean so it's like, point. Yeah. yeah so they're like alright cool let's figure out where we could go this looks foreign but it seems like there's a business and an opportunity here. I mean, America is a capitalistic society. So I was like, all right, cool. This Jewish man is trying to retire and move to Westchester and he's trying to sell me this store for $50,000. I'll take it. I'll take yeah. the risk. You know what I'm saying? And I think, and you know, when, and after they come into these communities, what a lot of people don't understand is that these Asian, especially these newly arrived Asian Americans, they come from homogenous societies that they never dealt with people of other race. Yeah. yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like they dealt with their cousins, feudalism, communism in China, feudalism in Japan and like dictatorship. Mm -hmm. But they never had to deal with like someone that's from a different country that looks completely different than you, right. that doesn't speak the same language, has a complete different set of culture and codes. Yeah. Right. And their references on media, right? So right. Hollywood films or films exported to their country, which we all know unfairly depicts a right. lot of these Negative. black and brown yeah. communities. And, you know, there's we, we all know that that is the case. And because they don't have other examples around them to not validate those things, they just kind of 
you know, foolishly accepted as reality. Mm-hmm. And that's all they know. And they come here and it's, it creates a rift between, you know, that generation and generations like me and JK, where we're like, we have friends and we live and we love these black and brown communities. And like, it's just such a disconnect between our experience where we have all our friends who educate us and also invalidate these depictions whereas parents don't have that you're right. right so like you're dealing with a, a maybe an older person yeah who's stressed out because they don't have no paperwork they're not you know they're foreigners in this country they don't speak the language mm-hmm. you know what i mean and they're like in a new environment in a setting that seems hostile to them right. you know what i'm saying but they still need to make a living And if you have a culmination of all of that and one thing goes wrong, maybe a kid, you know, it could just be teenage angst decides to steal something. I, this whole community's against me. You know what I'm saying? Maybe during the crack epidemic, like when there was like different corners had different crews doing wild stuff. Wow, these guys are wilding in front of my store. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They're jeopardizing my business. So these type of experiences culminates, accumulates into one, pretty much a diet, you know, uh, uh, pretty much an assumption right. of an entire group of people, mm-hmm. right? And that happens like, and, and you know, that, that type of, um, assumption kind of spreads within within their own groups, right? They go to church on Sundays, like, yo, like, I, yeah. wow shit happened to me yeah. over there in that part of Brooklyn. He's like, yo, the same shit happened to my fish store in Harlem, you know what I mean? And this agenda kind of just sets within their community and it just kind of becomes like this thing where they're like, yo, like, they behave that way, where they're that way, where, without ever trying to understand or communicate with with you know with people outside of their own you know within their own circle mm-hmm. right and i think that is gonna show you know what i mean because we're humans like if you're not if you're not if you're uncomfortable about something it shows in their face so when that young kid maybe he you know he just wants to come and shop you know sneakers where get get a young lady wants to get her nails done whatever but there might already be a, a, a preconception like, yo, this right. this kid is trying to G me. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. this girl is trying to be rude. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And then that's when shit, you know, it's like a kettle, right? Like if there's like constant, if it boils for a certain point, right. yeah, it's going to start making noise. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? And I think that's pretty much why we hear these occasional instances of, you know, like people going buck wild in some of these uh in some of these businesses in black and brown community uh, and bra- black and brown communities owned by asian business owners yeah. mm-hmm. um fortunately i feel like the generation that follows you know we all grew up on hip-hop <laughs> like mm-hmm. michael jordan like we've seen i've seen martin you know what i mean on tv i saw fresh prince of bel-air mm-hmm. like just like any other kid right. you know and I think our understand, and you know, it, it, that goes the same way, not only for black and brown communities, but also for like Jewish communities mm-hmm. and even for white community. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, I, well, not mu- not so much for white community because like the white people kind of control the media narrative, but yeah. you know, like they never really took that step to like try to understand each other because of the language barrier, exactly. because of so many different factors. Right. You and know? when you're coming in, when you're immigrating into this country, it's like you come here to work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know? You're just trying to mind your own business, yeah, send exactly. money back home. You know what I'm saying? And it's just a shame that, you know, you build this perception of a certain group of people because you're coming into this country as an immigrant and you're here to work and you don't know any history about, yeah. you know, the history of slavery in America. Yeah. You don't know anything, mm-hmm. you know, and so you just build all these, you know, 
things in your head just from experience. Maybe in this room, and you know, we're preaching to the choir here, right? right? Mm-hmm. But I do know people my age, and they, they don't. I'm not going to absolve responsibility for people our age because there are so many people who stay silent, who don't speak up, who don't support black and brown communities, but they'll consume their culture, but not necessarily, you know, support them completely. And Mm -hmm. I think, honestly, if I didn't move to New York, yeah, I I call a lot of them Uncle Wongs. Yeah. Well, (laughs) explain, explain, Uncle Wong. Yeah, it's just like, yo, like, it's, I mean, I don't I don't necessarily blame them either. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Because yo, if you like I grew up in Queens, a part of especially a part of Queens, like Jackson Heights, Elmhurst, Flushing, like these areas were culturally diverse. I always knew my identity right. and I always was able to experience different cultures rather freely. But like, yo, if you're growing up in a predominantly a white space where like your sister is like made fun of because of her the shape of her eyes and yo, you could never mm-hmm. get like you could never even dream of becoming like the fucking prom king and shit. Mm-hmm. And like, yo, the only, yeah. you know, options you have is like the white kid who's a jock and shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, like I would kind of feel like, okay, either I got to ride with these white folks and see where this yeah. shit goes, mm-hmm. or I'm just going to be an outcast. You yeah. know what I'm saying? So stick like, with the Asian yeah, like, Americans, yeah. we're like the fucking two families that's mm-hmm. in the whole town. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let me just wait until college. Yeah, you know what I mean? Exactly. Like, yeah. <laughs> so I but, can get the fuck out of here. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So easy there was. I don't, I don't necessarily yeah. blame them wholeheartedly, mm-hmm. but, you know, like, I think even, you know, yeah. Um, sorry, yeah. you're about to no say. No worries. But it's just, I think, because, so first, my story is that I grew up in, you know, uh, the 66 in California, 70% Asian American. And honestly, if I actually looked up my high school demographic. There was 4,000 kids. I think less than 3% were non-Asian or non-white. And I grew up never meeting or seeing like black people or li- and the thing is my parents, my mom, she worked at a quinceanera store mm-hmm. and my aunt, so my aunt was a wedding dress designer and she was trying to sell wedding dresses in Los Angeles after she- moving here and she couldn't really find a lot of luck. You know, I think being an immigrant, having those biases, like she couldn't really break into the market. So she can't just get a job at Hollywood. Exactly. You know what I'm saying? Like- exactly. And she was just like, okay, well, I can't really, you know, know compete with these like more established like you know majority brands okay like let me expand my designs to quinceanera dresses it seems to be like a huge thing and she was seeing like these korean owners have like sell like quinceanera dresses communion things like things are very much the fabric literally of like mexican community because we lived in la and you know in santiali and then she just basically but she lived in the suburbs where she wasn't around latinos and her kids weren't allowed latinos but she Mm -hmm. worked every single day around amongst latinos but i remember growing up and like thinking it was so weird that like how come like my mom never like talks about these people or like you know mentions these people she didn't want me to go to the stores and stuff i've always wanted to like play and like all the the girls were really young too they were like maybe 18 19 and they were so nice to me and i'm like i want to like go and hang out with them but my mom's like no you can't come here she really literally segregated me because she was like this is my life and you're gonna be in the suburb with the white kids or like and the asian kids and you're just gonna you know be in this bubble Mm. And that was crazy to me. And my mom, I asked my mom when I was younger, I'm like, mom, like, why are we doing this? Like, why are we selling quinceanera dresses? 
and communion things. I'm like, I'm kind of confused. Like, you know, this is nev- not our yeah. culture. And she was just like, this is how it works. The Jewish people own the buildings. The Korean people own the businesses and the customers are Hispanic. And I was like, huh, that's so weird. Like, cause that's not my world. When I go to school every day and right. I see my teachers and like my friends and like, it doesn't seem that way. And I didn't understand like why the, the, that dichotomy existed and it was mm. never acknowledged ever and, but I would hear like little things where you know little little racism like and even though she she's one of those people who's like um, ha- you know hate the sin but love the human or whatever she's like she loved her co-workers she loved the girls that they hired but she would still have like these biases against them even if they were like nice biases of just like oh bless their heart like you know they're not like you know they can't go to college so like they're working here and they're like so hard working and i'm just like why don't you think they can do that or little things like this yeah, she didn't yeah. think that was racist mm-hmm. and um it, it just like was a little troubling to me and one time i remember uh the one of her employees she found out her one of our employees that my mom really was close to um her boyfriend was stealing from us so he would he, he, she gave him a job because she felt really bad for him and like my her um, Estella like we will never see Estella again but Estella was basically like can you please give him a job and my mom was like yeah sure and he would take out the trash and do like administrative things but it turned out like he was stuffing the trash bags with our dresses oh, and selling shit. them to other people and like when my mom found out and she was just like so devastated and you know she obviously like broke ties with Estella and Estella was like so upset and like you know you could just tell like she didn't want to do this to us but she had no choice Mm -hmm. like she wanted you know and my mom I think looking back is like I think that's all she knew how to do to like help herself and her family but it just sucked that you know, it had to be at the cost of us, you know? Right. And then ever since then, my mom was just like broken and she was like, I can never trust the, them, quote unquote, again. And it was so heartbreaking to me because I'm like, my mom is this like tiny Asian woman who already feels like people always are making fun of her, looking down at her. And, um, but then, you know, you know, obviously having this reaction, even though I can empathize, like knowing it's so wrong, but how do I even like confront it to her that like you're not being like, you know, you're not you're being irrational when yeah. like situations like that happen. So growing up with that, like it was really difficult. And when I moved to New York was honestly the first time I became like immersed in cultures other than my own, like Asian and white. And I got to hear all the stories like my friends who went to schools in the South being like, Joe, they're literal like um like there's literally like confederate flags and confederate soldiers like held up in as statues around my campus and i'm just like what because i'm like from la and i'm like everyone's great everyone's progressive and no one is hurting and she's like no like this is real this is happening and that was like my rude awakening Mm -hmm. um no i'm just like rambling on but i'm just like thinking about like growing up like that and how ignorant i was even though i had so much opportunity to like get to know more and you know i still my my parents and my aunties are they're still doing that now they're still you know 
in Santee Alley and Fashion District, like selling quinceanera dresses and still having their biases. And it's just like, I, I sometimes feel like, a, and like, is this a lost cause or am I like not activating on some opportunity where I can like, you know, create inter-ethnic dialogue and all these things. But, mm. you know, I think that was kind of like my reality growing up. And mm. I, I know I am privileged to be around people like you guys. And I know so many people are not. And mm. I go back to LA and they're like, there Joe goes again, like her social justice plank. It's like, oh, there she goes again, being defensive. I'm just like, you guys are terrible. Like you guys would be canceled in New York, you know? But it's, but yeah, it's like, still but so real. I also went to where she, you know, yeah. like the area, like I went to SGV with the mm -hmm. San Gabriel Valley. Like I was there for a business trip recently and I couldn't really blame those type of kids either. Cause yeah, literally you were like, like Jojo, I see why you're like, like you are. Like I was, I, you <laughs> I know, I, like it that. was, it was literally miles and miles and miles of Asian businesses. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Uh -huh. Like I've never seen anything like it. You know what I mean? I, I'm from Flushing. It was, I thought, damn, like I thought this shit was like packed. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But it was just, just terrains literally. of Asian businesses. So like, I was like, wow, if you grew up in this community where you never have to, you never have to step foot right, outside. Right. You never uh -huh. have to you step outside this. You don't have the experience this, to meet other you know? people. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I mean, to add on to what Joe was saying, like, um, you know, my parents, like they own the type of business they own, it didn't necessarily, uh, had to deal with people outside of their own community. Like they owned a business that was okay with just dealing with other Koreans and other Korean Americans. So, mm -hmm. um, so they never had like the direct experiences that like maybe son like Jojo had, or like even like the sneaker store owners that I deal with, like they tell me stories, um, both good and bad, you know what I'm saying? Like that they had to experience like owning a store in like Crown Heights, Brooklyn in the right. 80s to the 90s, you know? So my parents never had that, but when they were f early immigrants, like it was like the first four or five years uh, when they first arrived in America, all the information that they could really have is just from friends and communities and uh, within their community, you know what I'm saying? Like I was still like a kid, teenager. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like how can I explain to them like, you gotta read Malcolm X's autobiography. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, how can, how can I, how can I, you know, how can I really get through their head? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, no, you don't understand. Like, police brutality is a real thing. Like, yeah. they're, they're not hearing that shit. You it's know what I mean? Hard. My yeah. mom was like, hard. "Why are you wearing a Nietzsche and Echo? Like, why can't you dress in J. Crew like one of these wasp kids? Why can't you speak like Hillary Clinton or like Colin Powell is black, but he doesn't talk like Tupac? You know what I'm saying? I was like. Like, yo, you don't understand. <laughs> you know what I mean? Exactly. Like, and these were conversations that I had to deal with. Now, you know, they've been in this country now for close to 20, uh, you know, more than 20 years now. Now they understand it. Right. Now they understand, okay, cool. Like, your friend Todd, like, he didn't have the same experiences as you did. You know what I'm saying? Like, yo, like, all this thing that you was talking about. Like we get why you were upset at white folks, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like we I think understand. That's how it was from my parents too. Yeah, it took yeah. them a long time yeah. to understand it, but after a after a while, they they they, they see the police brutality. Yeah. They see, um, even I dealt with it. You know what I'm saying? Like mm -hmm. I, you know, like I got ran about the cops. Um, this is during stop and frisk. You know, yeah. shout out to Michael Bloomberg. You know what I mean? <laughs> 2020. Um, yeah. Right. So like I, I I got um I got stopped and frisked, and um you know I had to stay uh, spend a day in bookings. You know what I'm saying? And over nothing just because I was so startled that I didn't 
you know, I was like 16. I didn't have no identification, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, but they picked me up and I was refusing to kind of go into the back of the police car in front of these four football player looking white dudes. You know what I mean? And it wasn't even like a police call with police signs on it. It was like they were DTs, you know what I'm saying? Like right. they weren't they weren't even wearing uniforms, you know mm-hmm. what I mean? They I, I don't even recall them flashing a badge, you know? So like I got picked up and after that my mom was like, "Okay, I see what you were talking about, like police brutality and all this shit. Like this yeah. shit is real. Right. You know, yeah. this really exists. And you know, if they could do that to an Asian kid, now mind you, I was an Asian kid with a shaved head, had a little cut like Nas. Yes, <laughs> I was that Asian kid, but still, <laughs> but still, they picked me up, even right. though you know it wasn't even like a black and a black and brown thing. You know what I'm saying? It was like they still picked me up. Oh, she was like, okay, I get in there. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? So you see, like, and things like that. Like I think, like with other cultures, like. You, you're not gonna relate to it until it happens until to you. Until it happens, yeah. exactly. Like that's that's really just like what it I is. Agree. I can explain it to you until I am blue in the face. Yeah, right. I can name plenty of situations that I've been in that I know that someone of another race would not be in mm-hmm. just based Absolutely. on looks. And I can explain it to you. And I've I've literally I've actually tried to have this conversation with a white person, mm-hmm. and it was just flying over the head. Mm-hmm. I was like, you know what? Yeah. You're not gonna you're not gonna get it. And yeah. it's like with I think with white people in specific, it's like it's very rare that they're ever even going to come into a situation mm-hmm. that any of us in this room would ever experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And even going back to like with you like explaining with your mom, like I feel like <clears throat> with all cultures, that's that's just how like when you, you like that's just that's just how you clash. Like you guys not you not you guys, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. like in like totally. a general sense, like you just don't know other cultures and you're just going off of what you heard mm-hmm. and it's like one apple what is it what is that one what is bad one, one bad, bad apple, apple spoils mm-hmm. the bunch mm-hmm. so like even like with your mom's Corey, that like so now your mom is looking at everybody else like exactly. they're all like that right mm-hmm. and yeah. that's how it was for my parents too at least for my mom like i remember not that she ever had like anything racist to say against or towards like black people because i never like heard that growing up from her but it was a very closed like you know like oh like uh, like you know just stay further away because she was like just from one experience of being in an elevator mm. in Philadelphia and having her purse sna- you know snagged by a, a young black man and so now she's like oh like I just I just would rather stay away mm. and so like it wasn't a, and then I grew up in a very diverse school so I, in Atlantic City and it was predominantly like Latino and black and Asian too mm-hmm. so like I've always always went to a diverse school and had a lot of diverse friends but even then like the school was very segregated on its own like you mm-hmm. know a lot of the Mexicans hang out with Mexicans you know um, black people hang out with black people white people with white people Asians with, like everyone was just in their own like clique so you know it to me it was a little bit different like not that I was like you know always like very aware of racism I was also in my own little bubble like in high school um but it wasn't definitely until I moved to New York is when you know I was like able to experience and really learn more about things on my own Mm because it's not something that I was also taught in high school yeah you know Black History Month is what one month and then you only learn about Rosa Parks and and Martin Luther King Mm -hmm. like that's all you really like true that's all you really you know you know know when you're in high school it wasn't until I left that I started reading up against like Malcolm X and Mm -hmm. like every you know there's so much more history out there so then like me like explaining it to my parents and to my mom like over and over and over and over then and like with the like help of social media and like 
them on Facebook and seeing so many, you know, videos of police brutality, they're like, oh, like, you know, I totally get it. Yeah. Like, I understand. Like, they've had a really, like, hard life in America. Yeah. Like, the way that I explained it to my mom was like, okay, okay, t just think about this shit, right? You know, like, feudalism, dictatorship, all that shit sucked, right? Especially, okay, so I explained it to her like this. Uh, my grandparents' generation in Korea, right? Um, they were forced to speak Japanese in school because Jap Japan, like, um, it was, you know, Jap Japan basically colonized Korea for like a solid 30 to 40 years. So I explained that to my mom. I was like, yo, just think about that, like how much that kind of affects the cultural fabric of Korea. Because older generation in Korea, they still refer to, they don't call Japanese people, they call uh, Japanese bastards. Mm. Like, that's just part of the language, you know yeah. what I mean? They say ilbon nom. They don't say Japanese people, they say Japanese bastards, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's just how they, like, it's, it, yeah. and it's not even like a derogatory term. They just say it, like, commonly. Yeah. So I was like, y you guys hate Japan that much, right? Just think about, so, and Koreans experienced that for like 40 years of suppression. Think about that shit times 10 mm. in America. For black folks, yeah, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? yeah. like contextualizing like, it for just, them. Just, yeah. just think about that. You know what I'm saying? And, and you know, and, and, you know, and yeah, and it was like, yeah, yeah. At least had like your own businesses. You know, of course, like they controlled your country. They forced you to speak their language, but they didn't take away like they weren't whipping you <laughs> in plantation right. and shit. Right. Like they yeah. didn't just put you into forced slavery. You know what I mean? Yeah. Just think about that for 400 years and why are they so mad you know what i'm saying like mm -hmm. they have a right to be hostile don't you think you know yeah. what i mean like yeah. and i explained that to her i was like oh okay right. like, i get it you know yeah, what i'm saying yeah. I, I understand yeah. i could see that yeah. you know what i mean yeah. so like after i contextualize it to you know to my folks yeah. like they have a clearer understanding but overall man i think america's fucked yeah. you know what i'm saying it's <laughs> it's a failed social experiment yeah. like who thought it was going to be okay to like basically munch all these people into one's place and it's like yo figure it out but yeah. it's also <laughs> I mean? so like, interesting who thought that was gonna work you know? I was thinking about this earlier too like just hearing like you guys experiences and like just kind of like what you grew up hearing mm -hmm. about like black people like I think about like I can only speak for like my family because obviously that's who raised me yeah but um like even so my mom she was the only one in my family that was born here the rest of my mom's family was born in Jamaica mm -hmm. um and even them coming to the states like I can never remember a time where they told me be careful of this race be careful of this race be careful of this race mm -hmm. it was never that it was it was really just kind of you stay on the right path mm -hmm. but when it came to white people you got to be twice as good to be considered half as good mm -hmm. that was the only thing i was ever taught growing up it was never like Oh, you know, I've heard this about Span, uh, you know, Spanish people. You know, yeah, we're, we're not gonna tell. Yeah, blah, blah, blah. I heard this about mm -hmm. Asian people. Like it was, ne it was never that, and it was just so interesting because even with my friends, whose family, you know, came here, it was the same thing. Like it was never. It was almost like not they weren't like against other not that you guys are against them, you know what I'm saying? But like they just weren't they didn't hear like these other things about other races. But, but what I find interesting is that they said that because you know Jamaica was a British colony. Yeah. And even though they were, you know, liberated many years ago, like, it's interesting that they mentioned that, yo, but still be respectful when you see white folks. Right. Just make sure that they like you. Yeah. That's interesting that, you know what I'm saying? Because yeah. it's like that mentality of all of us, if anything, you know what I'm saying? Like, have this sense of white superiority 
that because you know like Koreans like we didn't deal with white people directly like they were probably some GIs that was there like after the Korean War like my mom watched all Clark Gable movies and (laughs) she knows like John Wayne and shit but like it's interesting that they all have this sense of white equals superiority mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying yeah I mean even in Mexico like I went to Mexico City last year uh, I was you know I was in like a nice area right like I was in Condesa La Condesa or like Roma. all these like affluent areas right yeah all the restaurants I went to the people that were being served were lighter skin tone the people that were doing the serving mm-hmm. darker skin tone yeah, you know what I'm saying. Mexico City, Mexico in general. That I mean, disparity, being cor- like corrupt, it's mm-hmm. very racist. That yeah. disparity was so crazy to me. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying. It was just so in your face. Like, we went to like the uh, to see the temples where you know Americans call the yeah. pyramids. Like, we saw like a group of kids. You know, like you could tell these kids were not from the Mexico City region. You know what I'm saying? Because like it seemed like a big school trip. Like, they, they looked at me and my girlfriend, like, two Korean-Americans. Like, they never seen Asian people before. Like, they wanted to take photos with us and all that shit. Like, we were, al- like, we were aliens to them, you know what I'm saying? But, yeah. like, in a, like, but like in a, in like a naive, right. intrigued yeah. type of way, you know what I mean? So, um, so like, you know, in a, in a, but, but within a country like that, I noticed, like, even though, like, these other races are so foreign to them, within that country, the social structure of skin tone. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's so apparent. Yeah. Mm -hmm. A colleague of mine who is from Mexico, she came to she, she came to the US aka New York um, like a year ago now and she was like I didn't think I was a woman of color because she's very white passing um, but she's you know she's Mexican right? right like her family her heritage she's like very proud but she did never thought she was a woman of color until she came here mm-hmm. and then now like people are like oh you know as a woman of color and she's like oh I'm a woman of color because like you know I think she in her own way maybe and she's very self-aware like mm-hmm. was like we, it was experiencing privilege like within where she was from and to come here and then be like I'm not white or it was just like very a weird sensation to her and I think that reinforces how like wow it really does govern places outside of yeah. the US like Angie said it's definitely worldwide yeah. and how that yeah. governs everything totally like what your skin tone is totally mm-hmm. and I, it's so interesting because I was also really like, even going back to like having like these different like Korean businesses yeah. in like black and brown communities I was also reading that like even when it c- comes down to like like when people say like oh you know um, how come black people will like how come they don't like get their own stores and they mm. don't do things like that like so I, I read it um, an article it was from the Washington mm-hmm. Post and it talked about the um, the denial rates of loans mm-hmm. yeah no, oh no re- and then on top of that redlining yeah you exactly, know like yeah. there's so many different I mean the crack epidemic the 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 marijuana laws that pretty right. much like seg- like basically di- you know disproportionately targeted black young men in the 70s so many things that influence why black communities don't oftentimes get to own their own communities right you know what i'm saying and try to explain that to your mom when you're 18 you know what i'm yeah. saying she's not gonna get it yeah until like after a certain point she's just like oh okay like 
okay, damn, like white people are evil. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, and, that, and, and that's the thing. Like when you look at it, like when you when you hear all of this, you're like, okay, well, like when you look at it, like on a wider spectrum, okay, who's controlling all of this? Yeah. It's essentially white people. Absolutely. And like when you kind of like read more of like the history and like things that happened, it's like, okay, well, like who's kind of controlling the narrative for everybody at this point? Mm-hmm. Right. why we're all kind of like pitting against each other because I'm like really if we if all of our parents like looked at it like things would be so much different within like our communities totally totally it's so different yeah because I think you know when we talked to like the professor who came onto our podcast she um, uh, shout out to um, Professor Zaire who does Afro-Caribbean studies at (laughs) Rutgers Rutgers University Um, but she was saying it's like a divide and conquer method of just like you know if they hate each other and they are against each other then you know then it's easy for us it's easy for us to control them and you know we don't really have to get our hands dirty and you know I think we're Koreans and other communities they're all under this false assumption that like I need my piece of the pie but you're like don't realize that like you only have a slice and you only have a slice and they're there it's being divided up between black Latino you know Asian communities because the white people are taking most of the pie right, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. and they're purposely doing that and purposely making things scarce because they know it's going to create tension and and create these communities to have like compete for each other for very limited resources you know i think about like um, you know the ants, the movie. I love that movie. <laughs> I love that movie. But you know how it's like if we all band together, it's like, yeah. hey, we're there's so many of us. Like if we all band together, like we could defeat you. Like the crickets and the crickets like freak no, it, out. No, that's a bug's life. Oh wait, is that the bug's life? Yeah, that's the bug's <gasps> What's life. What's Disney movies go? Oh, oh my God, Lizzie, I'm sorry. <laughs> Lizzie just she corrected me. This is my research is important. Okay, bug's life. But you know in bug's, bug's life, life, yeah, bug's life, the ants are cuter. The ant, yeah, yeah, they are. <laughs> I know ants was like, and it had like ants with a Z, right? And it yeah. was like a more like mm, ants was legit. kind of the same thing, though. Wait, was it? Yeah, I don't, I didn't watch ants. Ants was kind <laughs> of the same thing because <laughs> they were like, like. Damn, I'm like now I'm thinking I'm like damn honestly like they were kind of like picking cotton because they were like picking rocks. <laughs> oh shit! Oh my god! Wait. It was, it was, uh, that was now very that I think symbolic. About it, yeah. Yeah. Oh it was very symbolic. God. Mind blown. Yeah. yeah. A lot. A lot of those Disney, especially Pixar. I mean, a lot of those movies were yeah. very like yeah. symbolic. Yeah. 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 But it's just kind of like if we all banded together, like you know, there's so much like strength in numbers that we could like co- put pressure on, and I think that's like what is really really lost. Yeah. Totally. I mean, uh, essentially like conversations like this is like a step forward to that until we find like a new group to hate on you know (laughs) like that could be robots you know what I mean Mm -hmm. that could be aliens who knows you know what I mean but um yeah but I think one thing that I do want to address is you know since you mentioned like um early on when you were talking about like the beauty supply business Mm -hmm. of how like Koreans pretty much has like a monopoly in that game yeah you know what I'm saying and like I kind of like and I, I don't know that much about that business, you know what I'm saying? But uh, but I think the the reason why that happened is not necessarily that it's like racially charged against like other communities to entering mm-hmm. that game. I think it's more so like it's like discrimination that is race based, but on like not on some like KKK like we hate black folks from coming yeah. in. It's more so like. You know the, the your 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 arm kind of bends inward. It's in like you're gonna look out for your own people. Right. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of like Hollywood shit. You know, like um, 
was it like Chris Rock said in like um in like one of the Oscars like he was like is Hollywood racist yeah Hollywood is racist but it's like are they like pitchfork racist nah like if the writer is white the director is white right. and you know the producer is white I'm probably gonna hire a white actor mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying so yeah. it's see, like and see that's why I I personally like I feel like it's a mixture of both mm. right like especially like when you're looking at things like get like mortgage rates for like different races like of course like you like you said like you're gonna look out for your own so totally. like you're gonna put your family on mm. with shit we gonna buy the whole fucking block yeah right yeah so where does that where does that leave us like yeah our our rates for getting mortgages is insanely high i can't afford it right yeah so how am i gonna put my family on so it's like Mm -hmm. another race is essentially gonna take over Mm. so like i that's i'm like i think it's a mixture of both like i don't think it's one thing over the other i think it's just like so many things and then it's like I can't think of like like when you look at like white communities like I can't think of how many like POC businesses are even there. Exactly. Mm, that's true. No, I totally agree. They're all in these like urban communities. Yeah. So it's like it's it's like so many different things. Mm-hmm. So yeah, exactly. That in those white communities, POC businesses are there's a higher barrier of entry. Right. To enter, right? Whereas, you know, like the the uh, maybe those building costs and um the people that already own those businesses, they're not trying to like have people buy stuff within their community or it's already too expensive you know what i'm saying so i think there's all that elements that kind of gets into it now i think there's a cultural thing that happens with oftentimes with like black and brown communities as well as like the prison industrial system that kind of like destroys families that kind of has a trickle effect on how the children within these families are taught and raised you know what I'm saying? So like one instance, right? So like I'm in the sneaker game. Um, you know, like I've always had like an affinity for flash shit, mm-hmm. but not to the degree that like I'm gonna starve myself to get flash shit. Right. I didn't see that firsthand until I um I you know I started working with the sneaker store in Crown Heights. So like on Friday there was like. You know, like in a lot of like those kind of communities, they have like churches that kind of give out free food mm-hmm. for like, you know, the, the the less privileged. That was on a Friday. So there was a line on the block for like, you know, grandmas with their little laundry carts, picking up canned goods and all that. Right. Cool. And then on Saturday in front of our shop, there was a line for Jordans. Now, these Jordans ain't cheap. It's like two hundred dollars. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Plus tax. That shit is like two twenty. You know what I mean? And it's like a mom and a kid, you know, waiting online to do that. Now, I'm not saying like they can't coexist, but in a community that, you know, requires like food stamps, that requires like, you know, support, social support for food, you know, this is like a liability. Like this pair of shoes is a liability. Right. Now, from an outsider looking in, you could say like, yeah, man, these people are irresponsible with their money. But then if you kind of look closely, like, yo, like a lot of these kids don't have this pride of like self-pride. And the only way that they could express themselves or have a sense of ownership 
it's through these material Very, things yeah. right. that they could kind of like show off at school. Yeah. Right. You know what I'm saying? No. And it's like mm-hmm. generational. Because yeah. like, yo, this mom probably copped her Jordan 11s in the 90s. And it's yeah. like, yo, I want to kind of reintroduce that feeling to my kid. Right. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I think that relates in another context too. Like, um, I was always curious how these families afforded such expensive dresses. Like when my mom and my aunties were like selling these dresses they're like 600 1000 yeah. like they're very they're not cheap they're not they're like wedding dresses and that's just the dress <laughs> exactly. a whole quinceanera can be as expensive as a wedding exactly right. like and how do you afford a whole party exactly oh, and like it was just like they're and they're beautiful and then these girls just feel so good in them and like you know and th- they're from nuclear families right i mean you're bringing up the specific example of like Correct me if I'm wrong, but like absent fathers or whatever, right? right? right. But then in Latino communities, they're very like intact, and they're and I remember my mom. They every Korean store, they all had like this payment plan, right? Where it's like layaways, yeah, (laughs) layaway. I was like, what layaway? (laughs) Um, And she was, yeah. So they'll they'll pay like you know a hundred dollars per month and something like that, and like, but they would always come back, and like I was like, wow, like they're so committed, and it would be so funny because sometimes the girls would like lose like a ton of weight and we're like oh no we have to like readjust this because like they were working for the state for 12 months for example and like just the commitment that these parents had to be like I just want to give them this like this is so a huge part of our heritage this is like a celebration and that they even if they weren't like making much they just wanted to give this gift to their daughters was like so beautiful right. to me and now and the, how they wouldn't compromise on that they're like no you're gonna get a quinceanera dress mm-hmm. like we're not gonna like get it second hand we're not gonna not have it like you're gonna have this experience because yeah. we would have this back at home and you're gonna when we're gonna celebrate and you're gonna have all your friends wear the same colors as you this is gonna be your wedding see see, see that's it that's, that see, that's the moment mm-hmm. right and then i think in like a lot i notice if you watch that movie fresh dress directed by sasha jenkins is about like the reason why um like this this uh, this infatuation with looking nice, dressing nicely, it's prevalent in the black community. It, you know, it comes from like the Southern church culture. Yeah. Like when 100%. a lot of slaves, Sunday was the only day that they could look fly. You know what I'm saying? And like that kind of gave them a sense of pride. And it was like the only time that they could sense of, you know, get a sense of pride. And that kind of was, you know, like pretty much passed down throughout generations. So that's why like even if like, yo, you're broke in your pocket, you might have $20 in your checking account. I'm I still need to figure out a way to cop the newest Travis Scott's. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And it, it's, you know, like you could say that's unfortunate. You know, you could say like that's not being smart with your money, but you also don't understand where some of these kids come from. You know what I mean? And I think the significant difference within the Asian community, or at least in the East Asian community, is that that type of culture never really existed, at least in countries like Korea and Japan. You know what I'm saying? I think, um, I think like we always had like our parents always had this infatuation with upper mobility and classism, and they figured out shit. If you're trying to fucking go up a class. Education is the only answer. Yeah, you know what I mean. So that's why, like, when I was a kid, like, I'm like, yo, I wanna. I'll tell my mom, shit, I, you know, this Sean John jean is like eighty to ninety dollars, which is crazy to her. She was just like, I'm sending you to a fucking SAT academy, son. Like, <laughs> I'm buying, 
I ain't copping you no velour suits. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know what I mean? So I think like the Hispanic community, and I mean, I can only speak also for like me growing up. I think it's very similar a little bit to like what you were saying about like those things, those materialistic things are important because my parents didn't really have much growing up, right? Mm-hmm. So then they come to this country and they want to make sure that you look good going to school. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, even though you could have suffered maybe like, or like they had bills to pay, they had food to buy, they had, you know, things piling up, but they made sure that I always had the sneakers that I wanted mm-hmm. because they wanted me to look good mm-hmm. going to school. Mm-hmm. They wanted me to fit in yeah. with my peers. Yeah. So it is unfortunate. And I wasn't ever taught about money or about saving or about like, you know, things like right. that because my parents were always so busy working to mm-hmm. make sure I didn't have to worry about those things. Yeah. But I think it should have been taught so I could worry about those See, that's things. interesting because my parents, our parents didn't want us to worry about money either. But they were just like, study, 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 study. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like without yeah. like, telling us like no like learn about money is just like nah just be good in school and you'll be right. Mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying so it, it's it, both perspectives looking back in hindsight is a little bit skewed you know what i'm mm-hmm. saying because like when i speak to some of my and i don't like i don't like to generalize but yeah. it tends to be my jewish homies that knew about they learned they, they get taught about money earlier than you know a lot oh, of birth, like a lot of literally. other kids and within the community I, I don't know what it is about the jewish community that they're doing culturally and again i'm not saying all jewish folks are like that but you know, shout out to Jonathan Normatov, same age as me, already has three properties in Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, and I'm like, yo, and this kid has four kids already. You know what I'm saying? Well, so I'm just like, God damn. We're behind. You know what I'm saying? No, way behind. I'm way like, behind. God damn, and you could already afford Nick's yeah. season tickets. Not saying that it's a lot, but shit. I mean, his yeah, Nick's I mean, is not doing well, yeah. but but still, you could still afford season tickets at 31. That shit is fucking incredible, yeah. kid. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And like, yeah. even when we were kids, like while I was like, oh man, I need to cop this new Nas record. My man was talking about like fucking opening up a savings account and building his credit. And we were all just like, man, shut the fuck right, up, man, right. with all that math <laughs> shit. You know what I'm saying? Looking back, I'm like, God damn, I should have took some I should have taken some advice from him. You know what I'm saying? No, seriously. Yeah, man. Shout out to John Normatov, who was the only kid in school that loved cash money before Lil Wayne blew up. <laughs> so we were like, man, why the fuck you listen to that Southern shit? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. It's so interesting. Like, even going back to as far as like looking presentable like I remember growing up like there was one time I had went with my mom she had went into Barney's R.I.P. Ooh. Um, mm-hmm. and I was literally I had a sweatsuit on mm-hmm. I was like I don't really want to go with you but I'll like I'll go she was like you can't she was like you can't go in there like that mm-hmm for like I'm like why she was like they're she was like they're not gonna want to help you if you look like that she was like you're already black uh-huh Cause she was like, they're gonna go in there, and they you're gonna you're gonna walk in there with a sweatsuit. They're gonna think you're, you're stealing, stealing, or you can't afford nothing in here. Yeah. Uh-huh. Mm. Wow. That was the mentality that I was like raised with. Mm. Uh-huh. Like you got to be careful of how you look when you go into certain places because they're gonna look at you a certain way. Even down to, do you remember when I went on that job interview and I had box braids mm-hmm. down to my hair? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I went on the job interview and she stared at my hair the whole time. Mm-hmm. I knew I didn't get it. Yeah, just off of that. Yeah, that's crazy. Shit. Damn! Just I, just because you and w- was your braids clean though? <laughs> was, it looked fresh. Was it was it fresh? fresh literally fresh. Fre- Did you fresh go to the African spot? <laughs> you know Angie. You yeah. know she right, comes like, out come fresh. On. Come on. No, but I think and this is like getting like a little too academic. But I so I studied communication and there was this one class that we did 
and our professor was black and he wanted us to like study like hip hop culture and kind of like the bling and like the glitz and kind of like the brand name recognition how like it's incorporated into rap and how like they present themselves and he was saying that like it's almost and people will say oh like those rappers they're like new money so they're very flashy with all their brands and they want to show off and you know oh that's like tacky to us but my professor was actually doing a counter of just kind of being like they know that people think that way and and when they go to those stores like they're gonna be like oh please welcome please buy our things like blah blah blah." and they're almost like taking advantage of those biases um and that was like a brain thing, brain fuck to me. I was just like, oh my God, that's so true. In that like, in like you know, Kanye West has like, oh, what's, what's that song where he talks about like, welcome to the, the store or something? He mentioned. <laughs> oh, like, I mean, yeah. He, he, like, that's hey, kind of welcome. like an on, that's like an ongoing narrative for Kanye yeah. about like this. All Falls Down. All Falls Down mm-hmm. was a big record that kind of mm-hmm. had that narrative right. at mm-hmm. first, yeah. Yeah. Just kind of like, you know, when I, you know. Oh. Hey, oh, hey, hey, <laughs> hey, hey, Peter. <laughs> hey, Peter. Okay, we'll just put that kick right on there. Yeah, oh, my God. Um, no, but that, so that was just a tangent. I was like yeah. very, like, oh, that reminds me of that class. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Angie, like, I think what you're saying about, like, you have to be, um, you know, twice as good or something. What was it? Yeah, it's twice as good to be considered half as good. Half as good. And I think, well, this is really cheesy, but I think Obama really changed <laughs> changed my whole family's outlook. On, I think that was kind of a moment where oh, they no, were 1, like, 1,000%. Yeah, they're like, oh, like, you know, they're like, oh my gosh, this black guy, he's so well-spoken. And they just like really loved him. They're, they're you know, and they're also under Obamacare and like all that yeah. stuff. And they're like, thanks, Obama. But seriously, I think he, if you speak of like certain people or figures in their life that can make a difference on, and having someone like him give the State of the Union address. So having someone like him in these like super high profile meetings and on television all the time, I think that truly if more than anything more than how many conversations I can have with them or how they can have amongst themselves like that truly changed their perception I think Uh, not completely I think you know they have their crazy limits of just like well he's you know but he went to a really good Ivy League school and like you know they kind of see him as maybe an exception but they also really respected that respected him and he accepted that him being black was an undeniable part of his identity right right I think like what it is too is like the way I look at it is like there's good and bad in every race absolutely there is good in like I don't care what race you are you got thieves you got mm-hmm. killers you got rape like every race has it like that's yeah. it's just what it is but it's just unfortunate that like the media of course like mm-hmm. they're gonna portray what they want but I think that's also the power of social media now mm-hmm. where we are able to call these like these different platforms out like whenever there's like different like police brutality like mm, the, the narrative you're telling me that's not right yeah right yeah like i'm not i'm not uh, let me do i could do my research now mm-hmm. or like i could go like and stalk these uh, people's instagram page and like find out more information so i'm like whatever yeah. narrative you're telling me is not what's making right. sense to me right now right I, yeah. I think i think one thing that i do want to point out is as much as um you know race plays a big factor right that shit is just paranoia that was like man-made you know because what you just mentioned like 
yo, there's like, you know, there's like Ivy League educated black brothers Absolutely. and there's like gang banging Asian motherfuckers. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like it coexists at all times. I think what the real underlying issue is classism at the end of the day. You know what I'm saying? And I think classism, unfortunately, in America often associates people of color right. with being on the bottom of the rankings mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying but there's mad poor white people you know what i'm saying yeah. and i think we often forget that and i um yeah and i i think if classism doesn't is not, if you know classism has existed for eons right and since the beginning of time you know what i mean and i think until we figure that out races being pitted against each other it's going to continue to ex you know it's that's that's just only gonna continue right. yeah. until we start fucking the shit out of each other and just make all beige babies <laughs> <laughs> where we kind of have to like just un you know like you know unwillingly we're willingly like accept each other you right. know what i mean until that day happens like which i already see it happen in parts of america you yeah. know what i mean like because you know i went to a small private school in queens um, where my lunch table was like the UN, you know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? Like yeah. every kid was like a different race. Yeah. I went back like maybe two years ago to have a little talk and I started seeing the mixed versions of those kids. So like I saw like this girl who was like Greek and Dominican, you know wow. what I'm saying? Like Chinese and Peruvian, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, like Russian and Mexicans. I'm like, <laughs> yeah. yeah, so I started, <laughs> I started. What's that love story? <laughs> Yeah, I started that seeing that. I started seeing that, you know what I mean? Yeah. And I was like, wow, like if I'm seeing that, like yeah. since 10 yeah. years I graduated from high school, I, you know, what's gonna happen when my kids go to high yeah. school? You know what I'm saying? You're gonna see and like quadruple, five times mixes, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Right, like, right. And mixed people are having, you know, relationships with mix, other yeah, mixed. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, so it's like, we're just a big, end up gonna be a big melting pot. <laughs> exactly. Because exactly. it's, 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 we're all gonna be fucking each important. other at one point or another. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. It's gonna happen. <laughs> Which I think is like the important part just to like kind of push the narrative forward that like, listen, like we're all, especially POC, we're all essentially like the same. Like, yeah, exactly. We're yeah. all discriminated against some more than others, but yeah. like we're all literally discriminated against one way or another. Absolutely. And you're able to now like really learn about different cultures because you have this mom that's Greek or mm -hmm. this dad that's Peruvian. Like, yeah. So. And it was so funny, like while I was like, you know, Googling and researching, just being like, all right, like what are, are there like black Asian alliances? or nonprofits that I can like, you know, we can like drive our listeners to. So I like typed in like black Asian like alliance or something. And I, and the first thing that popped up was um, uh, black women and Asian men meetups. Yeah. No, I got <laughs> in, in NYC. I, I got invited to that. Yeah. I, I, got like, in, I got invited oh, to that a few this times. Is, this is a form of, yeah, yeah, you know, no, I got, exchange. I got, I got hollered at, you know, like, I, I you know, I was, you know, Did not, you not for, no, I, didn't, I mean, I always, you know, I've been in a relationship for a long time, so mm -hmm. I didn't, you know, I didn't partake, mm -hmm. but, you know, like, <laughs> you know, there was like a couple of shorties that came, I, I, you know, I hosted some events and oh. then, you know, like they came up to me, it's like, yeah, like I thought they wanted to like hire me for yeah. another gig. So I got all excited. <laughs> they were like, oh yeah, we do this, you know, black and a, uh, you know, black woman, Asian man meetups. And I was like, like, what? Oh, okay. <laughs> like, thank you, but you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, nothing against the sisters, but right. like, yeah, yeah. I'm, in, I'm in a situation, so yeah. you know what I mean? So, but yeah, like, you know, yeah, totally. so that shit definitely but, is a thing. Because that that thing, and like my friend, she, he used to work at Vice, and he said he, one of his friends did this whole, also Michael's Blushing, our producer, because he's in a relationship with a beautiful Jamaican woman, and, and he, he's Japanese. <laughs> he's like, yeah, I was at that meeting. Yeah, he, did you meet her at that meeting? They meet recruited up, me. <laughs> 
He's like, oh, that's me. Um, but uh, my friend Marcus Andrew, shout out. He was at Vice when Vice did this whole like article about like this phenomenon. Apparently, kind of started when like OkCupid and like these dating sites started <laughs> releasing these like reports that Asian men, mm. black women were like the least, the least uh, matched or yeah, at least quote unquote desirable, desirable on these yeah. platforms. Well, so, so nah, nah, for real. Uh, yeah. Like they I said, remember, they, I remember yeah. seeing that. And then they started a Reddit thread being like, okay, so we should date each other. And then it kind of slowed, that's like the TLDR, let's date each other kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, nah, my, my, my mom at one point was like, yo, in America, you're, you're favored less than a puppy. <laughs> Oh as, an, as an Asian man, so she was oh, genuinely she was yeah. genuinely concerned, you know, because that statistic came out years ago. Yeah. You know, what I mean, it was yeah. it's not a recent thing. So right. she yeah. was just like, yo, like, yo, like white white girls prefer a puppy over you, son. You know, what oh I'm saying? My like, God. you got to step it up. <laughs> yeah, you got you got to make sure your bank account is looking right, or you know, you got to shape up. You know, yeah. what I'm saying? right? Yeah. So I I was just like, oh my God, I was reminded of that study, and obviously that is totally bias and these algorithms are mm -hmm. fucked up but it was just kind of funny that they're like you know what we're gonna do something about it and then started this meetup and mm. i was like all right are there other black um asian meetups out there that has nothing to do with romance <laughs> I know. and honestly it was really hard so maybe there's room for growth right there. right right, yeah. right. Mm -hmm. so i, I do want to uh, mention there's another thing like because um you know we talked about like black and brown communities mm -hmm. and like the diff the difficulties sometimes mm -hmm. we notice with like the Asian community. But you also gotta understand, yo, Asian people hate other Asian people, yo. Like <laughs> Yo, the the the, the anti, okay. an, you know, like the xenoph. So okay, so when this coronavirus yeah. situation started popping, right? Mm -hmm. You know, um, yo, you don't understand how many Koreans were like, yo, we gotta stop going to Chinatown. <laughs> yo, mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, yo, mad people were like, yo, nah, don't go to Main Street Flushing. You know what I'm saying? Like Koreans. You know what I'm saying? And just like, yo, y'all live like 10 blocks away from these Chinese folks. But you know what's funny that you say that? So the New York Post, did you see they fucked up with their picture? Yeah, no, nah, they did. Yeah, <gasps> they, nah, yeah, yeah they messed up and shit. they, they like tried yeah, to like they try uh, to like blur that picture, shit. But like yeah. everybody caught it by then. Yeah, so like, you know, like, yeah, yeah, because the whole, the article stated like, yo, this Iranian, uh, this woman who visited Iran got contacted about a disease, but the lead image show like an Asian man in a mask in the middle of Flushing. Mm. And I was like, what the fuck does that yeah. got anything yeah. to do? Do with this woman post. visiting they Iran. Do things like yeah. that. You know I mean? But yeah. the crazy thing is, New York Times also got us caught slipping doing something like oh, that. They did. It was this. It was the same context in the article, and then they had like an image of like random street in Flushing it was like with like Chinese <laughs> lanterns on it. Flushing. You know, <laughs> Chinese lanterns on it. You know what I'm saying? So I was like, yo, what the fuck? So anyways, yeah. um, so yeah, like it was crazy. Like all these Koreans were like, yo, we gotta stop fucking going to Chinatown. Yo, fuck these chinks. <gasps> said by Koreans, you know what I'm saying? Like, yo, you don't understand, man. Korean anti-Chinese sentiment within the Korean community is a real thing. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And like, yo, they were saying all this wild shit and shit. When coronavirus hit Korea, yo, everybody got mm. quiet. They were mm. like, yo, we gotta unite. <laughs> we all fucked. Oh you know what I'm saying? God. Like, and, and you know, cause I, yeah, you know, yeah. I, I'm, I'm Korean, you know what I'm saying? I was born in Korea, but I lived in China before my family immigrated to uh, America. Okay. So I always dealt with like, 
these fucking ignorant ass Korean Americans that didn't even speak Korean, like trying to like diss me for like speaking Chinese as if they were superior because right. what China was poor for 50 years, you know, when they were rich for 5,000 years, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? So like they had all this fucking anti-Chinese sentiment and when fuck, yeah, so I just found that like the xenophobia that exists even within the Asian community is a real thing, like yeah. kind of like what we were talking about with within the Latin, yeah. yeah, with the Latin community mm-hmm. and even in the black community, right? It's the same thing, like remember like when Ebola came out in 2014. Mm-hmm. Right. None of y'all Africans touch me. Exactly. Oh and you know, yeah. oh, so, y'all are all contagious. Like, so, so one of my good friends, she is uh, from Sierra Leone, right? So when Black Panther came out, all these African-Americans were like, yo, Black Pride. Yeah. And then she was like, man, y'all used to make fun of me for my food that I brought to lunch. Yeah. Because yeah. I was from Africa. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Y'all yeah. all of a sudden like, yo, Black Pride, Wakanda forever. Right. You know what I mean? Like, so, yo, there's like, it, you know, this. It's like fake love. Yeah. It's, it's, it exists, man. This this xenophobia exists even within our own community. You know what I'm Absolutely. saying? I feel like that definitely needs to be addressed mm-hmm, first yeah. and foremost. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Like, yeah. yo, Korean brothers, man, y'all gotta stop hanging <laughs> on the Chinese. You know what I mean? And yo, yeah. Colombians, man, y'all still gotta be arrogant among the other Latinos. You know what I mean? Right, right. Yeah. It's like, yeah, you like you hate your own race sometimes. Yeah. But when it's convenient, y'all you gonna buy, band together. Band up, Seriously. Right? Y'all gonna yeah. band together. I, yeah. I was telling my friends, like we always talk about this, like Koreans have this weird thing where we hate ourselves but we still think we're better than everybody else. And I'm like, I think that could apply to a lot of people. Not pretty right. much everybody. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's just like when it's convenient, you're like, oh yeah, I'm Korean. When it's inconvenient, it's like, oh, all those Koreans. And it's just like, it, the narrative changes all the time. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I think like, th- like, I think one of the things that you addressed in our amazing outline, let's see, <laughs> was um, I didn't write it. <laughs> I just didn't full disclosure, copy paste. <laughs> but I think one of the productive things that maybe happened, and we know we're, we're talking about some things that are t- terrible examples, but maybe a good example was an example you brought up from still processing how this woman named Christina Zhu or Christine Zhu started this um, Google Doc which was a letter to my parents and mm-hmm. she was Chinese American and it was to explain Black Lives Matter to her parents in her in their language mm. and she initially started that but then she started to translate it to different she started to kind of crowdsource translating it to other like Vietnamese Korean and it, it spread to the Latin communities as well because they were like actually like we want this as well like mm-hmm. we need to talk to our parents about this because they are they don't understand and speaking of contextualizing J-Key I think they also encourage these translators to like hey can you like try to relate it to their experience like with you know Korean Americans like relate it to that period of colonization or um, you know for Vietnamese American relate it to you know when Americans like came and you know did their freaking thing and they they kind of started this movement where you know you didn't have to go out on the street and like yell loudly or like maybe like you know do something that was very loud but because sometimes maybe Asian American activism might not look like um, activism in other cultures right maybe just because of like the way they're raised or way our parents always told us to not stand out. Like there's a f- saying in uh, in Japanese, but I think it kind of applies and translates to other cultures. Like the nail that sticks out will be pounded down. That I think this was a really amazing example of how activism could look in our community where you just simply like offer your service and like disseminate it in, in social media, yeah. which is like mm-hmm. so effective. And, you know, it might not be loud. It might not be you like, you know, 
laboriously like using your body but then the fact that you can use your skill to like spread that word and i actually read that google doc in korean and i thought it was just so well done like i could tell the translator really tried to relate it to their parents experience and at the end of each letter they say like look i appreciate you mom and dad for immigrating here and creating a better life for us and creating an american dream but you know, American dream just shouldn't be for our family. It should be for all families. And I think that's what it ends on a note with. And I think that is what a great example of activism can look like in our community. And I just hope that more of this can go on, right? And more of these kind of grassroots things and inter-ethnic conversations can go on, you know, whether it be through meetups or whether it be (laughs) through a Google Doc, right? Um, Because sometimes I I think like, what can I do right now? Um, And it's it's hard. Like, it's not as accessible as people think. Um, Yeah, but I think having conversations like this and even yeah. having like POCs like us having content like this, yeah. it's it's a is a is a great leap forward. I mean, no, you know, to tell stories of people of color is like the most important thing yeah. that kind of would better create like harmony within the communities. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. I think that's even essentially kind of what our like nail event ended up being. Mm-hmm. Like, cause we we really wanted to put emphasis on the fact that this is not like a we hate Asian nail yeah, tech. Like that right. wasn't what it was. It was just really kind of like everybody should just be knowledgeable, like on our experiences, just as like consumers and like you know like these Asian business owners as you know as business owners, just for you to kind of like understand like that dialect and like where like the discrepancies come from sometimes. Mm-hmm. So it was just like really. It was just, like, really good to hear. But, like, we also wanted to make sure, like, this wasn't, like, a, you know, like, right. we're not going to, Cody, but... And then tying in that, like, what you said earlier, people are going to look, like, out for their own people, right? Mm-hmm. Because someone in that event made a comment, like, oh, we should start our own... We ha- that's why we have to start our own businesses and this and that. Um, well, you know, yes, you should. And who are you going to look out for at the end of the day? Your own people. Mm-hmm. So right. it's, like, just like everybody else looks out for their own, you know, you should look out for your own, too. Mm-hmm. And, you know... I think that's like the almost like the fucked up thing too. I think with different cultures when you face like some type of discrimination, you're like, "All right, well, now we now we got to start our own yeah. and now I'm going to only look out for my own." Yeah. Because y'all didn't y'all didn't, you know, you didn't fuck with me before, mm-hmm. so like now I'm now I'm going to just worry about my own. It also reminds me of like um the Dear White People movie, like that there's this one scene about the tip, right? Like this waitress, she's white and she's terrible to the character and he's black. And, you know, when the check comes, he's like, what do you think I'm going to do? One, give her a shit tip because she was shitty to me. Two, give her, you know, a really good tip just to show her that, like, look, you know what? Like, I know you're going to think I'm going to give you a bad tip, not because, you know, you did wrong, because because I'm black. So mm. I'm going to overcompensate and give you more, mm. right? And it's just like, but the, the the fact that like certain people have to go through those multiple pr- loops and practices and feel like I know how I am perceived, and there are all these things that I need to do overcompensate, even in the midst of being treated badly. Yeah. <sighs> it just it literally goes back to yeah being twice as good yeah. to be considered half totally. That just sucks. Yeah. It does. It's so fun. It, it really does. Yeah. And I think just from, like, my experiences, like, and just the things that, like, I was taught growing up, mm-hmm. that's just, that was, like, number, that was, yeah. like, a number one thing that was taught, like, 
that was like engraved in the back of my head Mm -hmm. and just like when you're in certain circumstances you have to act a certain way you have to talk a certain way because cold switch yeah exactly Mm -hmm. because the moment you slip up you're ghetto yeah right Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. yeah or worse Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. so Mm -hmm. it's like it's just interesting to hear like all of our different perspectives on this topic Mm -hmm. Um, and just yeah like we all come from so many different backgrounds so I think this was like a really good conversation yeah I agree yeah I I mean so I mean to I I would like to end I mean I don't know if you guys trying to end it or anything no yeah I I, I was just saying okay gotcha yeah I just wasn't I wasn't sure about the vibe I was like yo do I do I like (laughs) do I add like a little concluding point right there or like yeah what do I do but uh yeah uh but you know I, you know, I just can't emphasize enough, like just having like these type of conversations and having this type of content out there more and more. You know what I mean? Okay, no. so what's the moral of the story? <laughs> the moral of the educate story yourself. is no, nah, for real. Yeah. Like education is is key. Um, I think like communication is also important. Um, I th- you know I feel like classism is is the biggest issue more so than racism. You know what I'm saying? Like I um, and I think there's good and bad in every race. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Absolutely. there's definitely there's you know you know I feel like we just need to look at things on a more macro level. Um, and yeah, uh, I think more communications and conversations like this needs to happen more often. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you guys so much for coming thank in. You this was guys. an amazing conversation. Yeah, we it need really a part was. two or something. Yeah, I think we do. <laughs> yeah, I think. Like the, I if think you need a token Asian man, you, you got him. I'm an ally. We like touched on so many different. I'm an things. ally. Yeah, I might say some foul shit, but I'm an ally. <laughs> okay. Okay. So before we go, why don't you go ahead and shout out and tell people like where they can find you on social media or mm. anything? Yeah. Well, obviously. At six ninety nine per pound, six nine nine P R P O U N D, and we actually have a new website that is up and running, six ninety nine per pound dot com. Mm. And my personal handle is at Jojo Parque, J O J O P A R. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. Like you know, like if y'all want to find out about who I am, just go to six ninety nine per pound. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And then just listen through, and then yo, there's like sprinkling sauces all over the podcast that you could like trace, trace mm. back to my account. But I mean, you know, six ninety nine per pound. We available now. Mm. You know, thanks to the RSS feed. We all over SoundCloud. You know what I mean? Spotify. Spotify you know, Apple, Anchor. You name it, we on there. You know what I mean? So it's easy to find us. Sometimes you got to put the dollar sign behind before six nine nine. But I think our producer is gonna. We didn't think about the SEO. Yeah, on yeah. That. Like the SEO, the SEO gets a little tricky. But uh, you know, I think our producer uh, Michael, who's here, he's gonna Amazing. he's gonna take care of that. So um, yeah, man, just just check us out, listen, um, give us a follow, and um, you know, shout out to these young ladies for yes, having us. You know what I'm saying? Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you, guys. You just listened to another episode of Girls We Know in partnership with Listening Party. The creators of Family FM follow the crew on Instagram at Listening Party Presents and at Canal Street Market. Bye. Bye. Until next time.